are forcing and containment. Well, forcing is that constant pressure I was just talking about. Pandora's box, a box of chocolates Would I know To stay away What's that? Pandora's box, a box of chocolates Would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you, babe That means I have half a mind to stay Good evening. It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Mike, and Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food every Thursday at 6.30, so I guess I'd better talk about food then, you think? So today, what are we going to talk about? We've got grilling for food gatherers coming up this weekend, a big old barbecue and so on going on for a very good cause. There are chickens. There are chickens in suits, there are people in chicken suits, and there are bees' knees. It'll all make perfect sense sometime in the future, perhaps not during this half hour, but nonetheless, I feel for some reason that I need to start the show by playing Hungarian Goulash Number no. 5 by Alan Sherman. <laughs> Which is very good Or if you wish a dish that's Chinese Somewhere down in column B There's lobster Cantonese Enchiladas That's what people eat in Mexico Shish kebab is skewered In Armenia, you know Then there's blubber The favorite of the frigid Eskimo such delicious dishes, no matter where you go. Chicken cacciatore is Italian. Kangaroo souffle must be Australian. Mutton chops are definitely British. Chicken soup undoubtedly is Yiddish. Pumpernickel comes from Lithuania. Hansen Comes from Pennsylvania. Wiener schnitzel's Austrian or German. Kindly pass the sauerbrot and Herman. Borscht is what they're eating in the Soviet. Wait, I think we've got some on the stove yet. <laughs> See the mau mouse underneath the jungle sky. Jolly mau mouse. Eating missionary pie. <laughs> Frenchmen eat a lot of bouillabaisse there. Dutchmen eat a sauce called hollandaise there. Smorgasbord in Sweden is the winner. In America, it's TV dinner. <laughs> so there you have one food from each land. Each one delicious, each one simply grand. Mix them all up. In one big mishmash, and what have you got? Hungarian goulash. Hey! 
that may be the most important song of the last 50 years. I have no evidence of that. It just felt like the thing to say. That is Alan Sherman, best known for Hello Mudda, Hello Fada, but who can forget Hungarian goulash number five, especially when it's been poured on your head in a musical fashion. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food. And this weekend, Food Gatherers has their annual grillin' event. Food Gatherers is a food rescue operation in Washtenaw County. Proceeds from Grillin enable food gatherers to distribute almost 5 million pounds of food a year to 150 nonprofit programs throughout Washtenaw County. Since food gatherers' inception in 1988, our community has converted more than 40 million pounds of food into meals for our neighbors who are experiencing hunger, saving food that would otherwise be thrown away by restaurants and other food service places done very carefully, chosen in a way, in the most healthy way possible, making food available all across the county. At this event called Food Gatherers, well, it's an annual thing. It's at the Washtenaw Farm Council Grounds on Ann Arbor Saline Road. It's going to be this Sunday from 3 to 8 p.m., rain or shine. And, oh, it says on the front, our roots run deep, and it has a very happy carrot with a, with a spatula. Well, carrot is one of the main symbols of food gatherers. There are these big carrots as pillars in front of their building on their street. Their street is called One Carrot Way, you see. They actually got permission from the city of Ann Arbor to call it One Carrot Way. Huge carrot pillars, and I'm thinking, what would it be like if some musicians actually worked with the different tones on the carrot pillars and tried to make music? Then again, could it be carrot abuse? I don't know. Nonetheless... Moving right along. At this event, there are going to be gourmet sausages, grilled chicken, vegetarian dishes, delicious desserts, live bands including George Bedard and the Kingpins. They've been playing at Grillin' for a long time. Also, Abigail Stauffer, Bull Halsey, and Jamie Register and the Glendales. There's going to be a food-inspired silent auction, fun for kids, a hands-on museum. Oh, fun for kids, hosted by the Ann Arbor Hands-On Museum. So I guess they're going to bring out something live and outdoors and beer and wine. Uh, Tickets are available at foodgatherers.org, also a number of places around town, including Zingerman's and Celine Picture Frame Company and Dexter Frame Picture, try again, Dexter Picture Frame Company. And so that's going on this Sunday from 3 to 8 at the Washtenaw Farm Council grounds. This inspires me, for some reason I don't know, to play the following song. I feel as if this is going to be a day of not knowing why I'm doing things like this, like pressing this button here.
yeah, I remember why I played this song by the Astors called Candy, because this is a show about food, and because even though it has no connection to what I was just talking about grilling, I mean, I don't know if you can grill candy. Maybe that's a show. Maybe you can talk about grilling gummy worms or something like that. Grilling gummy worms and lollipops. That sounds like a problem. And it's almost summer, which means my brain is flying away from my head, and that's why there's no point to what I'm saying at this moment. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. It's a show about food and chicken suits. You see, this is from the Associated Press. This happened in late May, but the story goes on. Chicken costumes have been banned at Nevada polling places. This is from the Associated Press. Voters dressed in chicken costumes won't be allowed inside Nevada polling places this year. State election officials added chicken suits to the list of banned items after weeks of ridicule directed at Republican Senate candidate Sue Loudon. The millionaire casino executive and former beauty queen recently suggested that people better... That's what she said. Otherwise, the millionaire casino executive and former beauty queen recently suggested that people barter with doctors for medical care. Like when, quote, our grandparents would bring a chicken to the doctor, unquote. Democrats responded by setting up a website, chickens for checkups, and by sending volunteers in chicken suits to her campaign events. Under the new rule, chicken costumes will be banned along with political buttons, shirts, hats, and signs within 100 feet of polling places. Washoe County Registrar of Voters Dan Burke said such a costume would be an inappropriate and obvious advocacy message against Loudon. Loudon campaign manager Robert Uithoven, perhaps, hailed the decision. I think voters will be spared the Harry Reid Carnival, and that's a good thing. I think voters are going to go to the polls thinking about far greater things than Harry Reid's chickens. I, for one, am saddened. I just think that the freedom of people to wear chicken costumes has been compromised. And I may start a, a political action group revolving around that, but I might forget in 15 minutes, so <laughs> never mind. But here's the thing. PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, recently, this last week, decided they were going to wear chicken suits at a Nevada polling place, in Reno, in fact. I'm not sure how that turned out, but they said they would go to a Reno polling place wearing chicken suits, even though there is a ban on chicken suits within 100 feet of polling places in Nevada. They said, well, we don't have a political affiliation. We're just promoting vegetarianism. Okay, I don't know how that how that turned out. But nonetheless, we have a commentary now from Mr. Rufus Thomas. Do 
orgasm. You put both arms up across your face. Your knees start wiggling all over the place. You flap your arms and your feet start digging. Then you know you're doing the fucking chicken. So unnecessary. This is the kind of this the kind of stuff to make you feel like you wanna do something nasty, like weigh some chicken gravy on your white shirt, right down front. Here we go, y'all. You work both arms and you work both feet. You together, baby. You're right on the beat. You flap your arms. And your feet start kicking, then you know you're doing the fucking chicken. Thank you, Rufus Thomas. Thank you for doing the funky chicken. Rufus Thomas. I think my favorite lyric in that song is, I feel so unnecessary. <laughs> I think that's got to be one of the funkiest lyrics about non-necessity ever. And, you know, I think that's what it's all about with this warm weather coming, is to be as unnecessary as possible in the best way possible. That's really what it's all about. And what better way than wearing a chicken suit? Now... There's chicken suit and there's chicken's suit. What's the distinction? You must be asking. I'm sure you are. Now, there is a website called chickenssuit.com. Well, these folks here came along. Edgar Honitschlager and Wilhelm Maringer realized, realized that, okay, if people can wear chicken suits, why can't chickens wear suits? I know you're saying, of course. Of course, you're nodding your head. You're, you're clucking like I am in, in positive feelings and thoughts. This is from chickenssuit.com. The idea for suiting a chicken came in a dream, a dream of a chicken that was covered with hair instead of feathers. Well, you can't take a chicken's feathers off and then glue hair on it, can you? This is how the chicken suit came about. The inventors of the chicken suit, this ingenious, quote, piece of freedom, unquote, truly believe that there is a real need for this world to suit its chickens. We talk from experience. Chicken suit chicken's suit, sorry, has made our lives richer. Show me your chicken's suit and I tell you who you are. The theme of this World Expo is nature and man. Fashion is human. If animals are wearing clothes, it means humanizing them. We love to make animals human, e.g. animation, because this way we believe to understand them better. If we dress animals, then only those who appeal to our heart, useless animals, like cats and dogs. A chicken is useful. It tastes good and it lays eggs. So why would, why would we dress it? Dressing a chicken means secondary domestication, first for use, then for love. The human body is inflexible. We can jump, we can bend, but we cannot turn our heads in circles like an owl 
or change the length of our neck by more than 100% like a chicken. With his chicken's suit, trademark, Edgar Honigschlager and Wilhelm Maringer expose... Exploh, exploh, what they do is they expose the alleged world community as a tough world market in which only those succeed who consume. Finally, the artist promises to deliver a proper, quote, piece of freedom, unquote, with free delivery. This is all from chickenssuit.com. Now, it's a little bit out of context, but I can assure you that if I put it into context, it would make about as much sense as it did just then. Chickenssuit.com. As Arbolf would say at this point, I'll rise for the national anthem. No. Now rise. Just kidding. That is Slim Gaylord and Chicken Rhythm. That is some beautiful chicken scat. Oh. This is Pandora's Lunchbox, and 
Going back to a moment for food gatherers, the Washtenaw County Food Rescue Organization that's having their grill-in event this Sunday at the Washtenaw Farm Council Fairgrounds, Sunday from 3 to 8 p.m., rain or shine, and there's plenty of information on that at foodgatherers.org. I wanted to look a little bit into the history of grilling, so into the Food Network's website, and it says... Well, just how long have we been waiting for our first taste of barbecue? It's a matter of debate, but the word's etymology has been traced via the Spanish barbacoa to a similar word used by the Arawak people of the Caribbean to denote a wooden structure on which they roasted meat. The Arawak's other contribution to the English language is the word cannibal. Mm-mm. Only the sense of a wooden framework survived the word's transition to English. The context was lost. So, in the 17th century, you might use a barbecue as shelving, or you might sleep on a barbecue. Ouch. But you definitely weren't cooking with one. Well, that's changed. Meanwhile, E.G. Kingsford is the inventor of the modern charcoal briquette. Kingsford was a relative of Henry Ford, who saw that Ford's Model T production lines were producing a large amount of wood scraps that were just being discarded. Kingsford suggested to Ford that a charcoal manufacturing facility be established next to the assembly line and sell the charcoal with the Ford name in Ford dealerships. After Kingsford's death, the company was renamed Kingsford Charcoal Company in his honor. And finally on the matter, George Stephen created the hemispherical grill design, jokingly called Sputnik by his neighbors. So again, food gatherers this Sunday, well now you know all you need to know, food gatherers this Sunday at the Washtenaw Farm Council grounds on Ann Arbor Saline Road, a benefit for food gatherers, the Washtenaw County Food Rescue Operation. Speaking of rescue, honeybees have been having it a little bit tough lately. But the U.S. Department of Agriculture has announced the beginning of a 13-state survey of honeybee pests and diseases. The survey will help the USDA determine the prevalence of parasites and disease-causing microorganisms that may be contributing to the decline of honeybee colonies nationwide. The survey will take place in Michigan and 12 other states. Beekeeping is an essential component of modern U.S. agriculture, providing pollination services for more than 90 commercial crops, More than 90 crops need beekeeping and adding $15 billion in value. Aside from a number of factors since the 1980s of declining health of bees, there have been several honeybee pests introduced to the United States, such as the small hive beetle, which can damage honeycomb, stored honey, and pollen, and deadly bee parasites, as well as the mysterious colony collapse disorder. And they're going to study all of those things. I just think... Those honeybees just need a little bit of love. You will never win wonderful charm, but I love to hold you in my own. Only you can drill me like you do. So hold that kiss for a long, long while. You know I love you, honey child. I love to hear you whisper low. You know you really thrill me so.
devil, devil with wonderful charm. But I love to hold you in my arms. No one can feel me like you do. So hold that kiss for a long, long while. You know I love you, honey child. I am happy as a baby boy. You ain't nothing but a bundle of joy. Only you can feel me like you do. Bend your legs and pigeon toes. You know I love you, goodness knows. Oh, thank you, Fats Domino. Legs and pigeon toes, but what about bees' knees? We're running out of time here because it's almost time to face the music. We all must do that, and it's a very good thing to do. But from phrases.org.uk, where does the phrase bees' knees come from? It's tempting to explain this phrase as alluding to the concentrated goodness to be found around the bee's knee. Bees carry pollen back to the hive in sacks on their legs. But there's no evidence for this explanation. It's sometimes said to be a corruption of business, but there's no evidence there either. Nor is there any connection with another phrase, a bee's knee. In the 18th century, this was used as a synonym for smallness, but has since disappeared from the language. Mrs. Townley Ward, letters, June 1797 in N&Q, whatever that is, it cannot be as big as a bee's knee. There is, there is perhaps the first printed reference in the Ohio newspaper, The Newark Advocate, in 1922 under the heading, What Does It Mean? That's what you wonder when you hear a flapper chatter in typical flapper language, apple knocker, for instance, and bee's knees. That's flapper talk. Then they mention other words, speaking of chicken, cluck, a dumb person, dumb cluck, worse than a cluck, polywapus, which we all use regularly, meaningless stuff, and flypaper, a guy who sticks around. There you go. Now we're good. Now, now I think we're all set. We're ready to set the world on fire wearing chicken suits. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox. I've been Mike, and I take no responsibility for what I just said and don't know what it means. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Let's get ready to face the music with another moment from our friend and yours and mine, Fats Domino. Some more food to pick, would you? Get ready. Get your baskets. Pick them. Found my thrill on Blueberry Hill, on Blueberry Hill. When I found you, the moon stood still.
Boom. It's just past 7 o'clock. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. 88.3 centimeters in length. I don't know how heavy it is, but we're here all night long if you can stand it. Um, this is Face the Music. My name is R. Wolf, followed by Special Ed with Ed Special. Thanks, Mike, for a, a beautiful 30 minutes of creative radio. I'd like to uh, dedicate this next recording to Mike Perini. It was made in 1908. So it's, what, 102 years old. It's uh, Chris Chapman playing a glass xylophone with a uh, uh, sort of a studio orchestra behind him. This is the Dill Pickles Rag. It's time to face the music. (laughs) 